Hello and welcome to the Raising Athletes podcast. I'm so excited to have our guest on today, who's a longtime friend and, and legendary volleyball coach in her own right. But before we talk about her, just quick introduction. If you've not tuned in, into us before, my name is Kirsten Jones. I'm a peak performance and sports parenting coach. I love helping parents and their athletes figure out what's holding them back, getting in their way, and helping release it and move forward. So today's guest is this amazing coach who I actually got a chance to play with 24 years ago, if that's possible. I don't know, because we're both 29. But um, yes, Erin Appleman, thank you so much for being on today. Oh, I'm so honored that you asked. And it was great to catch up with you and see you at a volleyball tournament. It's just so nice to reconnect with people. So thrilled to yeah. be here. Yeah. So I was thinking as I was preparing for this, I'm like, what are some of the memories? And I'm like, I remember being in Peterson gym with no air conditioning right? <laughs> and training and having all of the alum who are all, all Americans come in and, and play against us and being so intimidated and having to go out on the track and run the mile for time. Do you remember that? It's yeah. funny because out of all my memories, the track and the mile seem to be one of the biggest ones. Um, that and, and how hot it was in Peterson gym and just doing a ton of conditioning, just a ton of conditioning. Yeah. I remember doing those box jumps where you had, it was a wiggle box and like just a fun, new, different things I had never got a chance to do. So, but wow. Talk about, we did underwater body, uh, you know, core temperature or not temperature, but, uh, body weight like all of these really fun things that I think Rudy had gotten from his time with the national team or maybe Sue, but so fun. Um, all right. Well, I'm so happy to have you on. I love talking to people who have been there and done that. And then now are coaching from the other side. So I thought today we could talk about you as a coach, you as a mom and a parent, and you've gone through the recruiting process with your daughter. So you, you know this from every angle. Um, so maybe let's start with coaching style. Um, I know it's changed, right? It's changed a ton since when you and I played, but I would love to hear kind of if you, we could just take a step back in time. Of, um, do you remember when you were graduating from San Diego State? Did you know that this is where you would want to be? Like, how did this all unfold? So um, kind of a funny story. I probably went to college so I could continue playing volleyball. <laughs> um, and now I work at one of the most prestigious academic institutions in the country. So, uh, yeah, a lot has changed. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if I necessarily knew I wanted to coach, but I know um, it was probably in my blood. My dad coached me in, in club and, in, in you know, a high school level um, volleyball. And, you know, it's just something that has really resonated with me. Um, when Sue Hagerly, who she was uh, – Kirsten was talking about, she actually, my senior year, got a, a head coaching job and had assistant job for a whopping $5,000 a year. And I thought I'd hit pay dirt. Like, this was awesome. And uh, I remember her mentioning it to me and the other two seniors that year. And I was like, yes, I want to, I want in, I want to see if this is what I want to do. And so it was a, that was my first, you know, thing in coaching was full-time job for $5,000. I loved every second of it. So it was great. Wow. But look how that, you know, that's such a great lesson though in life as we're, and we're, we'll get into advice you give to young people, but sometimes it's just getting your feet wet, right? Like it's not waiting for the six figure job. It's saying, if you want experience, get the, go in and get the experience where you can, the money will come. Right. Right. And I don't even think, you know, at that time I was like concerned with money. <laughs> <laughs> you're a college kid. You're like, okay. Um, 
you know, later I had to figure out, oh, well, maybe I need to make a living out of this. Uh, but it is just, I, to this day, um, I'm still, I mean, don't tell my bosses, but I'm still amazed they pay me to do this job. Like, I love this job. So um, it is, it is really great. So the trajectory then from USD, how did you end up at Penn State? Um, so I left USD. Um, and at the time I was actually doing another full-time job so I could pay my bills um, <laughs> to decided to say, okay, I want to just coach. And I went to Northridge, Cal State Northridge for about six months. Um, and then I took the leap of faith and I went across country. I was very fortunate. I got a job at Penn State. Um, Russ Rose. With Russ Rose, legendary volleyball coach, Russ Rose. Um, did not know what I was getting into. Promised him two years. I think promised him three years thinking I'd be there two years. I am a California girl at heart and um, ended up staying there 10 years, uh, found my husband there and have my children there. Um, and then took two years off of coaching um, and then got it, got into Yale. And I'm still just so fortunate. I don't know how it all happened. It kind of luck, uh, a lot of luck and, uh, and then a lot of hard work. So oh, that's amazing. So you were both, you and your husband were both on the staff at Penn State. That's where you met. Yes. At that time, he coached basketball at Penn State. Okay. Um, and um, he got a job in Rhode Island and we figured out if we could make it work and we could. And uh, Yale's in Connecticut. And so, and then a year later, he got a job here at Yale. So it worked out really well, which is really very difficult with coaching, yeah. two people coaching, um, yeah. to be in the same university for as long as we have been. Yeah, my joke with my husband, these are all the places we've lived. And okay. when, when we met in Budapest, Hungary, he said, oh, I want to be a coach. And I said, no, because I don't want to move around all the time. So I'm not marrying a coach. And ironically, probably would have been less moving if I just let him do that. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing my second or third best career. You know that, right? I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, coaching can be very uh, nomadic, but sounds like you were able to find some amazing, well, you found amazing roots at both places. So that's really, really cool. Right. So yeah. obviously, you know, you've had some amazing mentors. And so how, who did you, who do you tap into to get to where you've now got a, a very, I'm sure, defined coaching style, which is very successful, 12 Ivy League championships doing this for since 2003. Who, who are your big mentors? You know, I know it's cliche, but I'd have to say my mom. Uh, she was uh, a woman in her in her field who uh, advanced and was very successful and had a family and uh, I got to have that as a role model and I think that was really important. I know there's so many things I do that I swore as a kid I wouldn't do that my mom does uh, that I do now. Um, like, so, um, I'm pretty demanding, um, you know, and I'm asking for more and more. Uh, all the time out of out of players, and I think my mom did that with me. Um, and you know, I had I have a high standard, so I think that that was something that she kind of instilled in me. Is you know, if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it. And um, so I think that was definitely one of my first, I guess, mentors. And then um, in club volleyball, I played for a really small club volleyball. It's no longer there in Southern California called Tiger. Uh, Molly Kaganoff was my club director, and Honestly, um, just a lot of the philosophy that she had about volleyball, about 
you know, lots of touches, get a lot of reps. All of that has still stuck with me this day. Uh, so I think that's been great. And then, you know, obviously Russ Rose has been super instrumental in my coaching philosophy. I always joke that we do everything Penn State does. We just do it for less time and lower on the net. So, uh, but yeah, we, I borrowed, stealed, you know, almost all of the stuff that I did at Penn State and obviously modified it for the student athlete that's a little bit different here at Yale, but, um, but it's all the same stuff. It's, it's about the basics and, and being good at a few good things. So I think that's mastering the fundamentals. Yeah. What would you say, or what would you like if we're writing, you know, now looking back, you've decided to retire and move to the Bahamas. What, what would you like your legacy to be as a coach? You know, I don't, I don't think about retirement or legacy. <laughs> Again, I Cause you love what you do. So you don't need to retire. But I think, you know, I think, I think I would like my players to have said that they, they had goals, they reached their goals and they had a good time doing it. Mm. Um, they worked hard and, you know, I feel like college is the time where young women come here. You know, you're not really an adult yet, but you graduate and you're into the adult world and you're becoming an adult during this time. And you're going to make poor decisions, whether it's you didn't take pepper seriously enough or you didn't do your laundry and, you're going to have those consequences. And so it's learning to not make the same mistakes over again. Um, at the time of this, this is the time they're first on their own and learning who they really are. And I think that that's, I'm hoping that that's what my players would say about me is that they learned a lot, you know, about themselves while they were here. And they also had a really good time doing it. And what, um, if you could, if you could, if anything pops up for you anecdotally, can you think of anybody who came in who you're like, mm, not really sure if she's going to move the needle for us? And then, whoa, like she completely came out and ended her career much differently than we anticipated. You know, I think I have probably a lot of players who did that, maybe who didn't really play a lot, right. uh, yet made such an impact on this program. From, you hear that, parents? It's not about playing time. Yes. Um, that just really made such an impact on the team, their teammates themselves, and, you know, were really kind of some of the keys to our success. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some players that came in that I did not anticipate playing that did, and there's players that I anticipated starting that didn't along yeah. the way. Um, but I think that's, you know, you, you, you talk about that in recruiting and, and you know, those things, it's, you're really looking for a fit for your team and what your team needs. And whether it's playing, whether it's starting, whether it's not, it's, it all has to work. Everyone is so important on the team. That's such a great segue. So let's move into recruiting and talking a little bit about, you know, obviously it has to be a very high academic candidate, but what, do, when you, I mean, I picture with, I've never sat in a college recruiting session, but I picture the names up on the board or the pieces that we're looking for. How do you put the piece, the puzzle together? And, you know, I know nowadays too, with, with NIL and transfer portal and everything, maybe it's changed it a bit, but how do you look at recruiting? I love recruiting. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I get paid to go watch volleyball. It's great. Um, so, you know, recruiting to me is, you know, again, you're, you're really, you have a puzzle, you have, puzzle pieces that are graduating. And so you have puzzle pieces you have to fill. Um, you know, recruiting is earlier and earlier. 
Um, there are some institutional rules that limit the timeframes of things, but I find it interesting that I recruit players to beat out players that aren't actually here on my team. Oh, wow. And, you know, that's kind of what I say is, you know, my job is to find people to beat you out. And I tell my what team this. Yeah. It's your job not to let that happen. Yeah. And so, but if I was. you go down to? Like 14, 15, 13, um, You know, I think most of the time you're you're looking at, you know, sophomores, juniors, yep. somewhere in there. Um, and so those are, you know, I'm sure, you know, power fives are looking at freshmen and eighth graders. Yep. I Yep. Academically, it doesn't make any sense to me to not look at someone who hasn't had some APs or academic um, classes. So right. yeah. for us, it's a little bit later in that sense. Um, but you're still looking for the same things, um, whether that's a physical trait, whether that's uh, intangible. You know, you're still looking for things that kind of elevate your current team. So... Um on, on the topic of, okay, you're putting the pieces together, and then um, once you get to season, then you kind of shifts, right? You're now in season, you're working together. How do you look at mental health with your athletes, not only in season, but out of season? Right. Um, you know, a couple different ways. Out of season, you have more time to see more people. Um, I'm really fortunate enough that Yale has a ton of resources. They have a good life center here on campus. Um, that have different rooms, a sand room, a meditation room, a blue room, like all these different rooms that you can go. There's people that come and talk to the team about it. In season, it's more of, because I see everybody every day, you're able to kind of have, I call them a lot of minute meetings, which turned into longer than minutes, but you have conversations with your players all the time and ask them, how are they doing? How's the academics? How's your roommates? And you try and they always want to bring it back to volleyball and you try to keep it away from volleyball. Um, and, you know, and I think that right now we just, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happening. Obviously mental health is a big uh, function. It's so much different than when you and I played, it wasn't ever, ever dealt with. Um, and um, I think it's just really important to be part of the, the resources that we have that we're giving players opportunities to meet people that can help them. Um, I try not to be the expert in it but I try to offer some probably motherly advice at things uh, or coaching advice on things uh, and then find the resources that they need. Uh, yeah, I mentioned earlier, my son's playing at Boston University and I know a lot of bigger teams tend to like, they divide your assistant coaches up, each take five players and check in with them. Do you, do you divide that up or do you have one-on-ones with every player or how do you look at it? Yeah, we don't have a very large, t- I mean, it's less than 20 um, which I mean is large for volleyball, but not large in general teams. Um, so it usually is a week. Um, and sometimes I just do it at the beginning of practice. I'll just take, you know, when the girls are warming up, when the players are warming up, I'll just take somebody and start talking with her and then throw her in and say, Hey, grab me so-and-so. And I try to get through everybody through that week. Um, sometimes I'll actually ask them to come to my office, um, which then means that week I get nothing else done, uh, which is great too, because that's really important. Um, so, you know, I do it a lot of different ways. Um, and then, you know, I really just try to be there if people need to talk to me at the end of practice too. So one of my favorite quotes from Oprah right after she finished her show was she said, I never, it didn't matter who I had on, whether I had the president of the United States or a homeless person or a stay at home mom, when the cameras stopped rolling, they all asked the same question. Am I enough? 
and you touching base with each of your players, that's what you're sending them, right? That message of I am enough. I am seeing whether I'm the starter or whether I'm just getting water. That's, I believe that's so important as we work with young athletes. I coach the little nine and 10 year olds, right? And it's high five and I'm in between every play, but letting them know that they matter. And I love that you do that in such an you know individual way. I think that's so critical right now for our athletes. And I don't think as a young coach, I was as good as on that. Um, I think it became being a parent. Um, and I think, you know, so much has happened, evolved over the years in coaching. And, you know, I, I, I think it's one of the big reasons um, that I love this job so much is, is the personal side of it. And I, I truly believe from the all Ivy player, all American to whoever, everyone's equally important and it takes that team to win. Oh, I love that. And you, you're setting up all these transitions so nicely. So let's then talk about parenting and you married, you're not only a coach, but you married a coach and then you had two kids. And did you guys agree to what your philosophy was going in or did it evolve over time? Or, and how did the kids receive it? Uh, yeah. I mean, my husband and I are, are completely different. Um, and I'm way more competitive. Uh, he's probably way better athlete um, than I am. But um, so I think it was good for both both the both of our children of having a parent they could talk to at different times. Um, my daughter, in you know, she played everything, um, and uh, my son really played basketball and loved it. Um, so you know, and and my son was was someone who probably he wasn't the starter. Um, and so we kind of got to see someone from someone who got limited playing time and being part of that pro that process and what it meant to him and kind of telling him, Hey, you're just as important. And if you love it, do it. Don't worry about playing. Um, Did it hurt you as a mom though? Be honest. Like you're competitive to, to not see him play or were you like, Nope, it's all good. Yeah. No, because he, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm also can evaluate talent and <laughs> was where he was. Um, yeah, there was times when I'm like, come on, coach, let him play more. Um, and, you know, sometimes that coaches my husband. So, <laughs> um, and then my daughter just was a natural athlete um, and was a lot of star of a lot of the things that she did, whether it was soccer or lacrosse or volleyball, uh, basketball. Um, in fact, my husband coached her in basketball for seven straight years. And I was always, you need to play her more. And he, and <laughs> And, like, and the other parents think so too. <laughs> Could you go talk to him about this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was a really, you know, he wanted everybody, everybody on the team played equal time. Like winning wasn't as important as developing and self-confidence and all of that for him. But it, it also, it was a younger age. So it was a little different. Um, you know, winning for me is important. So it's a little bit different for the two of us, but there would definitely be car rides with my daughter and I would say, do you want mom or coach when she's really got into volleyball? Mm -hmm. um, and so usually it was mom. And then about a half hour later, it was okay, coach, you know, and then I would talk to her with both. And I think she's going to become a really good leader because she's both my kids sat at the dinner table hearing us kind of complain about players who complained. <laughs> so, I don't think either one of them will be individuals who complain a lot in life uh, because of that. <laughs> I, 
I love that question you ask your daughter because that, and that's kind of the rule that I talk about a lot on here, which is the only six words they need to hear when you're driving home is I love to watch you play. That's it. They don't need that ref sucked or that kid got too much playing time. But then if they're curious and they want to hear your opinion, go have the ice cream and then, you know, check in tomorrow later when all the emotions, both yours, mostly yours and theirs have settled. Right. And and honestly, I think most of my responses, I typically start with saying, I love how you led, or I love how you high-fived your teammates, or I love, I don't even get into the physical aspect until way later. Uh, yeah. It truly is about being the good teammate is really important. Um, whether they won or they lost, it was, I look back and say, hey, you know what? You, you need to reach out with your middle and talk to her more and be a better teammate with her and, you know, find ways to make her successful or whatever uh, kind of thing. So a lot of it was more that than anything else. She was a setter too. So it, it kind of, that's a little different. And so let's talk about her recruiting process. So then you wore the other side of the hat, right? You were on the receiving end of how this whole process was working. How did, how did that go for you? Um, I'll be honest. <laughs> I was actually shocked at how many people didn't respond to her emails. Um, and so the first time she wrote them, which was early because I'm like, Hey, just send out. And I mean, the first batch she sent out were supposedly my friends. Right. Because <laughs> I knew physically she wouldn't play at, um, and very few wrote her back. And then I said, okay, the next letter you have to say, I'm your, I'm your mother. Uh, have my hook. Um, and she got a lot of responses back, but it was, it was an interesting, you know, process. Obviously I know a lot of people, so there's some places I did not let her write to. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I really wanted her to play for me. Um, and she wanted, she wanted a new experience. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm thrilled for her. Um, I did Charleston, you said, yeah, she's at college of Charleston. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it was an interesting part of the puzzle and, um, but being the same year, like the same season that I am, my husband did a lot more around it than I did. And we, she's a really organized individual. So we had her do a lot of it and, you know, I would just ask her, well, how did that, you know, did you talk to them? What did you, you know, given her questions to ask? And, you know, I always am telling people, even at my camps, it's like, have 15 questions. You might get through three. That's okay. But have it so when you do get on that phone conversation, you have something to say. I think so. I actually have a downloadable thing on my website that I give. And so today, my daughter's having a call with a coach. And so she's wrote, came out, came down to breakfast this morning. I don't have any questions. I'm like, there you go. You know, and just pick a couple. It does, you know, again, be yourself. They want right. to see who you are and they want to learn about your, your personality and what, what, you know, inspires you. The volleyball is one thing, but most of it is, would you say, what's the split? You know, like once you've identified them as a talent, then. Yeah. Once you're on the phone with them, you've already identified them as someone who can talent wise, skill wise, those kind of things. It's, you know, again, even I, even this day, and I've been doing this for so long, I will have a list of questions. So if the conversation kind of is stalling, um, you know, I'll ask them just to, because again, like I said earlier, I'm trying to find pieces to my puzzle. So mm -hmm. it's not just about the physical. It's also who you are, what you're representing and what you want out of the process. Because a lot of times I'll talk to people and I'll be like, I don't know if Yale's the right answer for you. 
it sounds like you want something different, which is fine. And that's why you have those conversations for both parties. Um, so I think, you know, having questions, I always think if you do get on the phone with people, um, and it's funny, my son has an interview later today. And I was like, find out what the person is you want to talk to, what they represent, have that information. So when you talk to someone, you can kind of know something about their school or their, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be about the volleyball team or the basketball team. It can be about the school. What do you find interesting? One thing. And then I know, wow, this person is interested in what we have. Because to me, recruiting is all about a match. Yeah. It's all about finding what's comfortable for you, what's comfortable for the school and, you know, in the sport. It helps narrow your search, but it shouldn't be your search, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love, I had spoke to another coach who mentioned, you know, ask me anything that's not on the website, right? Like to show me that you have interest in the school beyond. And I think that's the problem, even just general student population, you know, back when you and I applied, we applied, I applied to one school, right? That's the one I went to. And now they're applying to 20. So I feel like they feel like, oh, I just have to get volume out, but rather pick five that you're interested in and go, go deep, understand, research, know what, what they offer because it's a two-way street. Like you said, it's dating. It's not, oh, do they like me? Okay, I'll go there. But rather, what do I offer? But also, what do they have that, that will make me, you know, be happy when I get there, right? Right. And, you know, today's athletes and students have, have the web. We never had that. Right. And so there's so many things you can find out there, you know, about the school, um, you know, those kind of things, um, you know, I think is really important. Good. Any other final thoughts on recruiting and advice you would have to parents listening, uh, regardless of sport? What, what would you say, what's the best piece of advice you could give a parent who has a child interested in playing at the next level, whatever level? Um, you know, do the, do the research. Um, one of the things I always talk about is people are like, oh, should the parents talk? Should the player talk? I think it's both. Um, I like to do Zoom calls with the whole family. Um, I kind of made kind of a rule like when you start to pay the money, the parents have to pay money, whether it's an unofficial visit, whether it's a camp, then you might want to get involved because, you know, just signing up for camp is great, but find out are they interested or what do you want out of the camp? Are you just trying to get, are you interested in that school? Are you just trying to get better? Um, do you want to find out about it? Those kind of things. So, um, you know, obviously recruiting is just so different now with the, some of the NC2A rules and regulations and figuring it all out. But, you know, have the, I think having the player research early with you, without you is important. Early uh, being what, sophomore, junior year? Or when, when would you yeah, say? That? Yeah. I mean, I do. I, you know, take your, take your SATs, ACTs early because you can always improve on them. But get some of that information because then, then you kind of know, I mean, in, in life, a yes answer is always the best, but a no is actually okay. It's the maybes out there that kind of mess us all up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a no for me personally, I can pivot and do something else, but a maybe means I'm holding on to this. So it's finding out, you know, maybe test scores, This these aren't the schools I'm going to, or wow, I, I can go to these schools. Like it's different. So I think finding out the information and, and of course I'm talking academics, but you could put that segment into anything. Oh, I want to be, 
my daughter said she didn't want to go to city school. She's in Charleston. It's a complete city school. Like, so she did research. We, we toured so many campuses when she was young. My friends thought I was nuts. But, and none of them she wanted to go to, but it was like what was available, what was in a 30-minute drive from us just to see the campuses. Um, do you want to go to a big school? Do you want to go here? Do you want to go here? And that kind of just narrows your focus. And I think that those that's the hard part is there's a lot of information that's out there with the web. But there's also, you know, it's too much. So trying to narrow, finding out where you're from, visit schools around your area, see what you like and what you don't like. So when I send, when a player, a prospective athlete sends you an email and they don't hear back, what should they read into that? Oh gosh, I hope they always hear back from us. That's like one of our big things. Um, and not because of my daughter's experience, but even more so because of that. Um, usually that means it went to spam. Um, those kind of things. Um, but again, right? don't give up. Try again. Don't give up. Um, and sometimes it might be that, you know, I had, a family emergency or I was busy and things get lost in the shuffle sometimes. And, and that has happened. Definitely. We're all human. Um, but yeah, try again. And, you know, in the emails, put the permanent information always, even if you've written us before, I know I've written you before I'm so-and-so I do this, I do this. Here's a short clip. Video is huge. Mm -hmm. So, And, you know, typically right now there's not like, we can't really write sophomores back. So, most of the people that were kind of recruiting, I'm completely rude in not talking to them because I can't. Right. So it's not. Don't you know, it's just take it the wrong way. Yeah, that's yeah. good advice. I understand yeah. that, you know, and everybody recruits at a different time frame and a different way they do it. There's no real law. There's not like a, a college class of recruiting that we all took and we're all the same. It's where have your experiences been and how have you done it before? Um, so some people are calling club coaches and doing things and other people are not, and, and it doesn't, it's all going to work out in the end. And I believe truly that if you are really, really passionate about volleyball, it doesn't mean you're going to get a play at the top 10 program, but there are over 500 level, right? Different campuses, ones you've mostly probably never even heard of, that have still have strong academics, a great opportunity to play. Don't take no for an answer. If you if if your child is saying they're interested in it, then support them in in figuring out where that fit could be, right? And and I mean, I know with my children, I was like, hey, find the right fit for you. You know, we yeah. were fortunate enough to be like, hey, if, if you know, if volleyball doesn't work out, just find where you want to be, and we'll we'll figure it out. But and I you know I know everybody's kind of trying to grab. Well, I put all this money into club and or whatever sport they're in. I want to get a scholarship and. Yeah, obviously that's important for a lot, a lot of people. Um, but I also feel like you, you kind of have to look and say, what is the right fit for this individual? Which I know even you talking about your children, all your children are so different in what, what they want to do and how they want to exceed, um, you know, and finding out a way to, to be able to help that. Parents, I think it's parents, help. <laughs> say again. Yeah, I think as parents, all we want to do is help. Right. Yeah. No, I don't. I say nobody sets out to screw up their kids. We're all just trying to do the best we can. But if we can check ourselves and realize, okay, is this my wish or is this their wish? And then, you know, check it so that we're making sure that they're following their dreams, not, you know, something that we had. Right. Correct. Yeah. 
Okay, so last question. Thank you so much. I know we're going a little long, so I want to wrap up, but I would love to get your point of view on, we like to finish by asking this question. Um, your internet's out. Can you see me? I can. Oh, I can't see you. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll just go with the audio. Uh, well, how would you finish this statement? Great athletes I know or the best athletes I know do this. And you can go in any direction you like. Have grit. Um, uh, you know, grind is another word, but grit to me, you can be a great athlete, but if you can't push yourself um, and, you know, you're going to be coached a lot, but it's kind of what are you doing when the coach isn't in the room? It's that stuff that really separates um, great athletes to great players in that sense. Um, and people that are dependable is those ones that kind of have the grit. That's what I would, I would say, grit. I love that. You and I were both transfer athletes, right, back in the day before it was not that popular. But I think the test that I, and I looked at, you know, back, looking back on it, my parents had just quit. It wasn't working out, just quit. And I remember thinking, no, I'm not done yet, right? So when you feel like, again, that's what these, these athletes need to be saying is to themselves is, I love this so much. I really want to commit another four years, four, five years to this, right? Yeah, it's it's just having that something in your head, in your mind that's pushing you, um, whether that's academics, whether that's uh, athletics, uh, whether that's just to make your bed in the morning. Um, but having that kind of grit is is really important. And I think that's really separates great athletes. And I think that's the gift that, Athlete, athletics takes with you through life, right? Like you, because at some point the ball stops bouncing, but when you pivot, you take everything you learn from that experience and you take it with you. Correct. Good. Good. Well, thank you coach for being on. It was so lovely to see you. I think I get to see you next week, maybe in Kansas city. Yay. Um, but parents, if you've enjoyed this episode and you're, or you know another sports parent who's trying to get better at supporting their athlete, please feel free to rate and share this on iTunes or on Anchor. Um, and you can follow the Bulldogs next fall as they chase their 13th Ivy League championship, right? Are we looking good for that? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, parents at, at Racing Athlete Podcast, we're trying to do every podcast get a little better. It's not, it's progress over perfection. So we, you know, we've now got video. We're, we're doing little itty bitty steps too. So we love all of your feedback. I appreciate the likes and help and the shares help so much. So, um, our goal is supporting parents in raising not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people who are doing new things, failing forward, standing up and doing it all over again. Let's do this. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.